New name, same host, and same purpose. This is Overcoming Performance Christianity, the podcast that leads you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. If you're a longtime Christian, but something's missing in your relationship with God, then you might be caught up in performing for the Lord. Find out more as we dive into this episode of our Overcoming Performance Christianity. I'm John Fugler, and I'm on the road from performance to relationship in my walk with Christ, so I'm taking you with me and helping you find freedom from the bondage of performance Christianity. This podcast does that, as well as the devotional series I wrote called Your Life with God. I happen to be a longtime Christian media guy. I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather of nine. Just met number nine. Yeah, a new one. We got Mercy Elizabeth. We just got back from seeing her. I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7, where we lead you on a path to freedom from the bondage of performance Christianity. And I got a question for you. Are you ready to know Jesus? Are you ready to get to know him? Yeah, Paul said this, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's in Philippians 3.8. Oh, so glad to have you along. I'm feeling good because I got new furniture in my studio. Somebody gave us a chair, a rolling chair. And sometimes I get so excited, I push back from my, my table here and I roll right back away from the microphone. But I got to work on that. I'm back in here. All right. So welcome aboard. <laughs> here we are. Oh, to the podcast for high performing Christians. And you might be a longtime Christian like I am. And you might have a problem that goes like this. We know we're saved by grace, but we struggle to live by grace. We know it, but we don't live it. I don't want to speak for everyone, but if you're someone who's doing a bunch of stuff for God and you feel like it makes your relationship with him healthy, then you know what I mean. We may not come out and say that we're not living by grace, but our life shows it. We dry up spiritually because of it. Well, today you'll gain insight on how to break free from that mentality and that hamster wheel living. In this episode, we're going to get out our pickaxe and shovel. You ready? We're going to do some digging together because we're about to discover that knowing Christ comes in layers. And since you're a performer for Christ, you like the idea of working at this relationship. Well, it might not be what you think I'm talking about. Before we head into the content, let me ask uh, this question because I'm always full of questions. <laughs> How are you doing in your relationship with God? How are you doing? Is it healthy? If so, how healthy? Uh, I've developed a spiritual self-assessment that will give you some answers. Got to face the music, guys. Uh, this self-assessment will take just three minutes, okay? Don't have to invest much time. It includes some probing questions that will get you the honest truth about your relationship with Christ. So go get the assessment. Take it. It's free. Just go to my website, freshfaith247.com, or click the link in the show notes, freshfaith247.com. I challenge you to take the assessment. So what is the, the payoff for stepping out of performance Christianity? I mean, how will my life be different? Uh, let's take it deeper. Let's focus on this whole concept of knowing Christ. How does knowing Christ, which by the way is the antidote for performance Christianity, how does it play out in real life? Well, after a study of the word, a lot of it, 
and personal experience over the last few years, I've outlined 11 big promises of freedom from performance Christianity. I kind of hang my head on that. Speaking of hanging, I've, I've hung those promises on my wall just to the left of me here in my studio so I don't forget them. I don't want it to become wallpaper where I don't notice it, but I want to notice these and I want to begin to practice these and I realize the promise, the 11 big promises of freedom from performance Christianity. A couple episodes ago, episode 30, I went through them all, just ran through them all. But they're worth looking at in more detail. So today, as I pick them apart in all these episodes, I want to spotlight just three of those 11 big promises of freedom from performance Christianity. And here's one of them. We don't feel self-imposed guilt because we're not earning God's approval. Isn't that great? Self-imposed guilt. Not guilt that God's heaping on us, but self-imposed guilt because we're not earning God's approval. And that's when we're free, we're free from that. The guilt disappears because our whole perspective is different. We're living in freedom from performance Christianity. We're not earning God's approval. So that's beautiful. So that's one promise that you can claim as you move into this freedom from performance. And if if you're not there yet, then you know what I mean. You, you just feel guilty because you're trying to earn God's approval. Well, we want to help you be released from that, released from that prison. Here's another wonderful promise when we're walking in freedom. Jesus walks with us, not looking over our shoulder. That's a perception that we have as performance that uh, Jesus is looking over our shoulder and checking us out, making sure we're doing things right. Uh, but no, imagine now, instead of Jesus not looking over our shoulder, He's there with you at your side, and he's walking with you in your Christian life. Isn't that beautiful? That is freedom. So Jesus walks with us, not looking over our shoulder. A great promise, a big promise when we're living in freedom for performance Christianity. Then the third one I just want to share here is that we can have confidence that we're walking with Christ. There's a confidence there. Knowing Jesus walks with us is one thing, but having confidence that we're walking with Christ. That is freedom. That's freedom. That's a promise. We have confidence that we're walking with Christ when we're living in freedom from performance Christianity. So those three things are, when you think about it, what a, what a change that is. What a change it is from, from walking in that bondage of performance Christianity. We don't feel self-imposed guilt because we aren't earning God's approval. Jesus walks with us, not looking over our shoulder, and we have confidence that we're walking with Christ. Do any of these sound good to you? <laughs> Are you wanting these things? Well, they're the benefits of knowing Christ, really knowing him. Goodbye performance, hello, knowing Jesus and this podcast exists to release you from the bondage and to live in freedom in your walk with Christ. Fresh Faith 24-7 is the only place I know that has a sole focus on this. And that's why I created Fresh Faith 24-7 with all content and community and the coaching that make freedom possible. So check it out at freshfaith247.com. freshfaith 247 
www.thefreedomchurch.com. In our last episode, we talked about the freedom of knowing Christ and how knowing Christ is what will release us from the bondage of performance Christianity. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and do it. And today we're going to explore the, the layers of knowing, what I call it. And if you're looking to recapture the joy you used to have in your relationship with Christ and your Christian life, then become a student of this podcast. <laughs> if you're experiencing too many ups and downs, then you'll find the answers to that problem right here. Because every episode, I'll teach you how to overcome performance Christianity. It's not a quick fix. No, not at all. It's, it's not like one package all wrapped up together. No, it's life happens and this will take time but each episode makes it more clear one piece at a time and each guest will shed some light on what it means to experience a true relationship with christ a love relationship not based on what you do for jesus and our guest today does just that i'm excited to to share his story with you as he tells his story you see i believe that knowing christ is the secret to life Knowing Christ is a secret to life. And it all sounds good, but how does that play out in real life? Today, in your life, what does this concept of knowing Jesus really mean? And how does it apply to my life? You might be asking that. How does it release me from the bondage of performance Christianity? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and I've wrestled with that concept of knowing Jesus. It's gone on for quite some time. For how many years? I, I'm not sure. But I do, though, that finally grasping this concept has, has really rocked my world. I feel like I've come home. As I said, knowing Jesus is a secret to life. Paul knew it. He stated it. Philippians 3a, I keep going back to that verse, but I, I'll keep going back, and I want it to just be part of your life. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. There's a richness and a depth to that verse, and knowing Jesus, it's like it's like digging through several strata of rock and clay. Every strata is well-defined, and we discover something new at every level. When you look at these strata, you see different colors. You see different kinds of rock. It's, it's all so clear, and there's definition at each level. The Lord doesn't desire to be known at a distance. He desires close, deep, intimate fellowship with me. Now, we can know someone on the surface, but until we spend time with that person, we don't know them deeply. And time with Jesus opens the door for me to know him as he wants me to. As we consider the rock and clay, we have to dig to get to the next layer. I mean, really dig. <laughs> I told you you're going to get your pickaxe and shovel going in this episode. And think about that. Just imagine that. Imagine being out there digging away. Uh, we uncover its beauty, its uniqueness. Have you ever driven through um, a highway where they have actually carved out that space for the road? And you look to the left, you look to the right, and you see towering above you uh, these rocks, and you can see the layers. It's so clear, and you take pictures of it. Well, we have to get to the next layer and uncover 
the beauty and uniqueness, just like those workers did. And I don't know if they studied the beauty, but as we drive through, we see it. And as we get to the next layer and cover its beauty, its uniqueness, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes tenacity. So it is in, in my relationship with God. It takes those three things. It takes, takes time. It takes my time. I have to do that. I have to take the time. Jesus does, doesn't get my leftovers. He gets my best time. He gets my best time. I think of my morning routine. It includes about a half hour with him in prayer and the word. Some days it's longer, some days less. And honestly, I, I struggle with rushing, okay? I admit that. I find my richest times of fellowship with the Lord is when I relax and enjoy him, when I take that time. I also have to be tenacious. Is every quiet time with Jesus filled with overflowing blessing? No, not at all. There are days when I'm tired. There are times when I can't concentrate. I'm, I'm dry or preoccupied. And that's life. That's reality of relationship. But I keep coming back next day. I seek God's face. No matter how the time goes, I keep coming back. Time after time after time. The life-giving experiences far outweigh the, the dry ones. So that tenacity pays off in relationship. And then third, I, I have to put forth the effort. And you might be saying, John, you're getting into performance. No, I'm not. Let me explain. Performance Christianity means that my relationship with Christ is defined by my effort. You get it? The more I put out, the closer I perceive I am to God. On the other hand, putting forth the effort to know Christ simply creates an environment where I can develop intimacy with him. Also, as I put forth effort in prayer, and listening to God, and reading his word, sitting before him, the richness of relationship grows. My effort doesn't define the relationship. It makes relationship possible. So time, tenacity, effort will lead to continually developing a deepening relationship with Jesus. I referred to my guest in this episode just briefly there uh, a few moments ago, and he'll be sharing a practice of his that is really good when it comes to taking time and being tenacious and putting forth the effort. And that interview is coming up. I just reviewed it again, and I was really pumped as I listened to it. So I think you're going to find it valuable. But let me wave a caution flag here. As performers, uh, we can be convinced that our efforts alone will open up the wonder of knowing Christ. Our efforts alone, how easy it is to get into a, a controlling posture. We can approach Christ as if it's a hide-and-seek game. God's out there somewhere, and we're doing our job to find him. He wants to make us work to get to know him. And our effort will determine his willingness to reveal himself to us. We can get into that mentality, but the opposite is true. In reality, God has the most important role in our relationship. He took the initiative to start it. Romans 5.8 tells us this, for if we were enemies, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his grace? We were enemies, 
but he removed the barrier to knowing him. We didn't even know we needed to know Christ. Remember those days? But Jesus died so we could taste a relationship with him. Why in the world would he give us a taste and then withhold the whole meal? He doesn't. God is the one who opens our eyes, our spirits, our hearts. We'd never seek him in the first place. He went first. Now look at these affirmations. I look at John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And then John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. We can't resist God. We can't. Notice that God reaches out and then we respond. Our relationship with God is is reciprocal. Jesus moves toward us and we move towards him. I love the way James put it. He said in 4.8, James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's that reciprocal relationship. I don't understand it, but it works. Psalm 149 also tells us this, this assurance, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Once we have a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit works miraculously to reveal more of Jesus to us. It's The pressure is not on us. Let's get away from this working, this this performance. Without his work, the work of the Holy Spirit, we'd be stuck in our human ability for relationship. We'd never know Christ as God has intended. Our relationship with Jesus is not a formula. It's dynamic, alive, it's ever-changing. We're both actively pursuing each other. That's the beauty of us. The biggest hindrance is us. (laughs) Yeah, it's me. God is present. His arms are open to receive us and to know us, and we need to continue seeking. Our number one go-to is the best source on the life of Jesus, and that's the Bible. It's our number one go-to. The Bible gives us a view of our Savior. In order to know Jesus that the Word describes, we have to stop and dig. We explore his character, study his actions, listen to his words recorded in Scripture. It's all right there. But let me stop here. If you sense that the Lord is stirring your heart, that's a good thing. I like that. Uh, Where is he taking you? Where are you right now? I want to remind you that the spiritual self-assessment is available to you. It's a good way to see how healthy a relationship is with God. Just grab it at freshfaith247.com. And have no fear. No one will know your answers. Just go get it and take it and see where you are right now in your relationship with the Lord. Let me come back to my excavation. I'm carefully scraping away the layers of rock and sand, studying each piece, each granule, rubbing it between my fingers, looking at it closely, carefully, curiously. I think about that that stone, that piece of stone in my hand. How old is it? How did it get here? What kind of rock is this? Those are the same kinds of questions I need to ask about my Savior and ask them to him. I want to know how much I can know about him, his eternal history, his character qualities, why he did what he did, 
why he said what he said, scene by scene, layer by layer. Can you imagine how the Holy Spirit will reveal more of Jesus than you've ever known? The possibilities are limitless. The more you know him, the more you'll love him. And the more you love him, the more you'll know him. It gets better and better. It just keeps going on. Talked about the hamster wheel before. That's the one you want to get off. This is a cycle that you want to get on, (laughs) knowing Jesus. And you'll walk in the most amazing freedom. That vibrant life. Aren't you seeking that? You'll find it. Yeah, I look at Paul as our model. He spent his life knowing Jesus. And I'm absolutely charged up when I consider his story. His first Jesus encounter on the road to Damascus was too overwhelming to understand. He didn't know what hit him, literally. That was surface level knowing. And Jesus had so much more in store for Paul. Paul spent the rest of his life, both in solitude and in intense firestorms, getting to know Jesus. Hmm. All circumstances. Everywhere. His heart was set on knowing him. Paul did some excavation digging way below the surface to know Jesus more deeply. And the more more he dug, the more he learned new things about his Savior. For him, it was a treasure hunt. Knowing Jesus became a way of life for him. And as a result, Jesus became his life. I want to know Christ, he said. Yes, to know Christ. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Become him like him in his death. Paul was consumed with knowing Christ, Philippians 3.10. We have to ask ourselves how deep we've dug to know Jesus. If we're not always digging, we're missing out. From his sufferings to his resurrection, Paul wanted to know the full scope of Jesus. Knowing means to immerse ourselves in the life of our Savior. Participation, becoming like him through the power and working of the Holy Spirit as opposed to performance. Paul wasn't interested in being a bystander friend of Jesus. He wanted to be fully wound up in the life of Christ, knowing him by experience. When Paul was shipwrecked, beaten, escaping death, he knew that Christ was beside him in every instance. When Paul preached with power, often under distressing circumstances, he spoke with Jesus by his side. He spoke of a Jesus he knew personally and deeply. When Paul wrote his letters from prison, He sat there with his Savior, writing the words of God. Everywhere that Paul went, he had a conscious sense of Jesus' presence. He expressed it this way to believers in Rome, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in Romans 38 and 39 in chapter 8. Paul was confident to the core that Jesus was present with him. He knew the love of Jesus, not as a mental assertion, but by personal experience. In the cold prison cell, he felt the Savior's arms wrapped around him like a warm blanket. No, nothing separated Paul from his loving Savior. And he understood it. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the physical and spiritual warfare, no power nor anything else could come between Paul and Jesus' love. Wow, I consider that and I I just think about it. And you have a choice. Know Jesus or live without him. (laughs) Seriously. 
If you're not connected closely to Christ, experiencing him, you're an isolated believer going through the motions of performance, and that leads to emptiness. Get to know Jesus. Dig, dig, dig. Know him in peace and know him in trials. Look to Jesus every minute of the day. Above all, spend time in the word. That's where you'll discover the wonderful layers of who Jesus is. Will I someday know Jesus as Paul did? I've asked myself that. I hope so. In my optimism, I say yes. But truthfully, I don't want to go through the harrowing suffering that Paul endured. I'm soft. I hope I can know Jesus as intimately as Paul with a much less intense journey. Yet, in my heart of hearts, I know that's not possible. I'm still wrestling with this, and you might be too. I do know this. Whatever our lot in life, we're called to know Christ Jesus. We're called to know Christ Jesus. Every one of our experiences will be different. We may know Christ in the quietness of our personal meeting space with him, or it could be in our battle with cancer or a loss of a spouse or enduring pain and illness or walking as the lone Christian at work or in the wonderful setting of a loving family. Christ can be found and known anywhere. And today is your day to know Christ. Tomorrow, too. And the next day. It's a journey, a journey that includes this moment. So I ask you, will you set aside time to learn something about Jesus every day? Will you pray to your Savior each day? Will you put a circle of protection around this hallowed time with Jesus? Don't let others interrupt a stowaway if you need to, in a genuine prayer closet. That may be the only place you can go, into your closet. It's worth it. Guard your fellowship with Jesus. You need to do that if you intend to know your Savior as he wants to be known. I I refer again to our guest in this segment. He has a, a story to tell. And in the midst of that story, you'll learn how he began connecting with God in a fresh way. You'll hear about how the Word of God became central in that transformation. You'll also learn about Lectio Divina. Two new words for me. (laughs) His name is Eric Nevins. He hosts the podcast Halfway There, where he features Christians who are on the journey. Real people with down-to-earth stories of their walks with Christ. And I wanted to talk to Eric, though, about his story and how he has experienced fresh faith. We talked about performance. One thing I discovered about Eric is that there was one book outside of the Bible that turned both of our lives around. That same book. What a discovery I made as I interviewed him. So here's my conversation with Eric Nevins. I've got less than 50 episodes of my podcast. Eric has got over 300 of his podcast, and it's called Halfway There. Eric, how many years of podcasting is that? Oh, six years. And I was working on it for two years before that. So it's been a long time. You were podcasting before podcasting was big. Uh, but you know what? I didn't think it, it was. I thought I was behind by then because, you know, I, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Adnan Syed from the guy who was profiled in Serial was released from prison a couple of days ago. No. And I was listening to Serial like two, whenever that was, 2013, 2014 in there and some of the other guys that were really early. And then when I started, I thought, man, I'm, I'm really late, but I got to get on this, you know? 
Well, you're here and uh, you've, you've been consistent and I love on your podcast, I encourage our listeners to go check it out. Just the interviews you do about people who are in, in their walk with Christ and some going through crisis, some not, but how Jesus is real to them. And that, to me, that is, that's fantastic. You really get down to the core of it. You ask good questions. Um, your guests are are really solid. So uh, if you're looking for something, listeners, to encourage you in your walk, and uh, Eric interviews people that, that you can really, really relate to. So it's fantastic. Um, and we want to talk about you. Can we talk about you in this show? Yeah, if we have to. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I want to do that. And um, one of the things that really struck me as I was uh, reading your bio is the fact you grew up in a Christian home, you went to church, and uh, then you got married, and you went to, kept going to church, you went to uh, Bible school, then went to Trinity, started uh, Trinity Seminary, and you were going down that path. And you know, it just you, you're solid in your walk with Christ is what I'm reading here. And then something was missing. You say something was missing. So yeah. take us back to that, and and more specifically, what was going on in your life? Yeah, during that season. So you're right. I grew up in a Christian family and kind of always did the Christian thing. Uh, you know, even in high school. But I had this question, and the question was, how do we grow in Christ? Uh, and what I didn't learn until much later is that the, the answer to that is, uh, through suffering. <laughs> so that gets to all where, where we're going, <laughs> but, uh, that season. So I went to college. I like to say I went to college to learn how to study the Bible and seminary to learn how to pray. Uh, because when I was a kid, the main answer to everything, uh, all your problems, you have an issue, you have some mental health problem, you're having relationship issues. What should you do? read the Bible and pray. Right. So I, so I went and tried to figure those things out. Not that there's anything bad with those, but that's what I wanted to know. Well, anyway, we get to that season. Um, I went to college, studied biblical studies and then went to seminary and uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School is great school. It just wasn't really what I needed at that time. During that season, a whole bunch of things were happening. Um, not only is it a little more academic than I care for, it uh not that I couldn't do it, but it just wasn't what I liked. We also had my parents got divorced in that season. Um my uh we had our first baby, uh, which is right kind of a few months after nine eleven. Marriage was a little harder than we thought. I don't know. It, it, you know, it takes it takes <laughs> a little bit of work. Uh my in-laws were homeless. My sister got married and then divorced a few years later. And so we just had all these things that felt like what was happening, the, it was the world was just sort of crumbling. Like all these things that we expected, we had taken as, you know, truth, right? If you do the right things, we'll, you'll get, you know, life will be good. Nobody in our life at the time was experiencing that. It was all just kind of falling apart. And so I remember very clearly a day, um, this must have been 2000, fall of 2001. I was walking on the campus there. And just realizing I can't stay here for right now and I need to take a break. I'd gone part-time that semester and I just decided, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I went to uh, my advisor and said, I need to, I need to take a break. And it was actually one of the better things that I did. It ended up being three years, two kids and one dark night of the soul. Three, three years, two kids and what? One dark night of the soul. One dark night of the soul. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you about that. Um, but the, as you were, 
you kind of put push thing push pause basically yeah. i and took a because, break because life was kind of rattling you as all of a sudden you get this kind of earthquake going would you say is that yeah i think so i think i thought that life, I don't know that I thought life should be easy, but I just felt like it wasn't working, right? And that faith was good, but I was in this really academic environment. So it was very heady, which is awesome. I still kind of love that stuff, but it wasn't what I needed. I needed some heart connection. I wasn't really connected to my heart or connected to the Lord. Um, so during that season, that those, I did, it was three years, we ended up discovering this thing called spiritual formation. Um, so was, I was reading guys like Dallas Willard and Richard Foster and um, some this guy named Bruce Demarest. We actually, our church, this lady at our church did this book called Satisfy Your Soul as a study, a small group study. And we read it and it just really kind of opened my eyes to this different world, different practices um, of connecting to the to Lord. And so that was really cool. So when I started looking to go back to school, my cousin was at Denver Seminary. I ended up looking at Denver and guess who teaches at Denver Seminary? Bruce Demarest. And so I happened oh, to wow. end up, uh, when we came to visit the school, I set up a meeting with him, talked to him for 15 minutes or so. And he was a really academic, heady guy, uh, wrote these huge systematic theologies and things. Uh, but he also had an experience with Jesus that, um, changed his life and now he's teaching in the spiritual formation world and and that's what i ended up studying with him so those three years what did you do for three years i worked and i was miserable <laughs> so <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure we could ask my wife would you flip true. hamburgers and things like that or no, what I, so i worked i had the best job in the world i worked security uh, but this is even a, a, an example of how the lord works things for your good, even when you don't like it. So during those three years, I was, I was working security at this, this benefits consulting firm. So literally all I had to do was sit at the door and let people in if they don't have their badge, give them a new badge, sometimes get up and go check to make sure some external doors are right and temperatures and whatever. Simple, simple stuff. The rest of the time I could read, I could write, I could do whatever I wanted to do. So that was great. Um, and then the company outsourced my job to another company because it was expensive to have in-house, you know, they're paying us benefits and 401ks and all that stuff. And it was wonderful. And they said, look, I was too young to appreciate it, by the way, John, I was way <laughs> too young to appreciate the free donuts. But anyway, they outsource it and they're like, well, you can either, you know, go to this new company or you can, which I didn't knew I did not want to be in security, right? Like that was not a long-term goal. Yeah, so I didn't yeah. want to do that. You didn't go to seminary and Bible school. No, right. So I said, okay, well, I, so they said, or you could go into the company in one of our other roles. I said, okay, well, let me see. So I ended up going into customer service at a benefit center where I would talk to people about their benefits and roll them at benefits time, you know, talk about their 401k the team. I was on the people always wanted to sell their company stock when it was high and uh, or sell it when it got low and buy it when it was high. I was like, that's the wrong idea. You don't want to do that. Do it the other way. Um, but that was, so it was interesting and I was really, it was an interesting exposure, uh, but I did not, obviously not what I wanted to do. We move out to Denver. Guess what happened? I get, I get going, uh, start looking for jobs. And because I had this call center experience, I actually was able to get a job at a financial firm, um, which God then used to provide for me and my family 
for the entire time that I was in school and I actually worked there 13 years. Sometimes I talk a little bit negatively about it because I think there were some problems with that company. But when I look at it through this lens, I can see that God actually prepared that place, prepared me so that I could get that job, used a lot of um, skills that I learned in the call center there that eventually for podcasting that are, are really, really valuable. Mm. And uh, so God was training you in more than one way, not just spiritually, but personally. Uh, He also gave you the time to be able to prepare for what you're doing now. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I think some maturity also, I really needed that, um, which is good. So a couple of questions I have for you. Um, because we, you referred to it in a listener's warning. What was that dark night of the soul? And, uh, do you feel, uh, free to share that with us? Yeah. I mean, I, for me, it was really just a personal feeling of uh, questioning of my value and my identity and what I was supposed to do. So I think some of that now I can look at it and go, I actually, what I wanted to do is I was always, I'm kind of an, I'm an artist, not like a painty musicy artist, right? I'm, I just, I like to make things. I like to cook. I like to do things that are um, attractive and fun, which is why I like podcasting and create interviews and show art and all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't doing any of it. And I had decided at a certain point, originally I wanted to be an actor in high school, you know, mm-hmm. I, but I grew up in a place where that was not really a thing. Like you, nobody made money or made their living through art, right? Nobody made their made their living through the creative pursuits. It was get a job, stay there. My dad stayed at his com- at the city of Des Moines, Iowa, for forty five years. That's a yeah, that's what was expected and canceled. And so I was so I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll be a pastor. And that's why I went in to do uh, seminary, you know, college and seminary. But I don't think that was ever really what I wanted. So I was really struggling at that time with and asking God a lot. I remember very clearly in those solitary moments as as a security guard praying and saying, God, what is this for? What am I supposed to do? What what do you want me to do? And he, funny enough, didn't have a whole lot of answers. He was pretty quiet, which is pretty common during the dark night of the soul. It's It's a season when God doesn't seem to speak a lot. You have to just feel your way through and try the different paths, which I did. I tried to go different places, but he wouldn't let me go. And so eventually he finally led us back to seminary to finish that up. And it was a hard season, but it was a good one. As I hear your story, I mean, you're a mature Christian uh, and you're going through this, this dry season and, and, and the struggles. It sounds like you're, you're making progress, but uh, did it ever hit you? that, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong believer, been a believer for a long time, you know, the word, and yet you're going through these things and there was something missing. Did that kind of, was there, uh, that didn't compute and you're wondering what in the world oh, yeah. is happening? Oh yeah, totally. I was, I was very confused and angry about it. I was like, what's going on? Um, I think there was a lot of healing that I needed to do, which, you know, I hope eventually I got to some of it. Um, but it was it was just a really confusing time because I thought I I was going to be going in one direction, um, and then it just didn't seem to be right for me. That happened also when once I graduated seminary as well because I graduated in '09, and that was a really bad time 
to, <laughs> to graduate, right? It was in the middle of the recession. Yep. A lot of churches weren't hiring for, you know, people, especially like me with very, uh, you know, little uh, ministry experience, uh, even though I had the education. And so I ended up working in the financial world, again, going through this sort of identity crisis of like, what was all that for? And it wasn't until I found podcasting that it all sort of started to come back, come together, you know? How did you hang in there with Jesus in that time? Um, maybe not very well, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I, I was very, very angry, but so there, there is one thing that I learned that actually was really good for me. And that's this thing called Lectio Divina. I don't know if you're familiar with that practice, uh, but it's an ancient meditative practice where you take a, a piece of scripture. And for me, the first one I remember doing it with unintentionally was Romans eight. I taught Romans eight to a Sunday school class or part of it, a few verses. And I just found myself really captivated with this idea of there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, because you know what the law was powerless to do, God did in Christ. Okay. That's, that's kind of amazing, right? We meditate on that for a while. That'll blow your mind. But then you go through the rest of the chapter and it was kind of amazing. So I learned to take a passage and instead of uh, reading it wide, I started to read deep. Hmm. And meditate deep. So in like in school, you know, you learn to read a whole book, read in like a read a whole letter in one setting, read, you know, you this thing where people read a chapter of Proverbs every day or something. That that's fine. If that works for you, great. But there was a time for me where I had to go, I need something different. I just kept coming back to the same passage over and over and over again. And then it was Hebrews 11 and then it was Ephesians five. And then it was like, it's just kind of, there's these passages through time that I just come back to over and over and over again. Tell us more detail about what you did with those passages. Yeah. So the, the process of Lectio is you read it and you just kind of listen to it. Then you reflect on it. You ask the question, like what stands out to you? What do you notice? So for me, the no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that was like a, that was a big deal um, because I was struggling with identity. Right. So that like you, you are accepted. That was a, was a big deal for me. Um, you, so you reflect on it, then you uh, remain, read, reflect, respond. So then you pray about it. Right. And you respond to the Lord and say, Hey, okay, mm-hmm. this is what I'm hearing. And then you, you sit with it and you remain. And so you simply allow God, then you ask God the question, like, what do you want me to get from this and let him speak into you. And maybe he says something, maybe your mind wanders to a topic and then you make a connection or you, you know, whatever it happens to be is, is okay. And then you return. And so this is actually my favorite part. Uh, I tell people to do this over and over and over again, until you find yourself thinking about this passage of scripture, when you're driving, like a route that like driving home from work that you could do blindfolded and you just know that route or you're in the shower and you're not thinking about anything else, but this pops up in the back of your mind. That's how scripture really gets into you. Right. And that's, that's what I found myself doing with, with that passage. So we're, we're creatures who like something new and let's move on to the next thing. And I think mm-hmm. in a Christian life, we're like that too. It's like, okay, I've got this mastered. Now what's the next step? Right. What's the next level? And so what you're describing here is something that we can easily get bored with. You know, well, I've been in this passage for two weeks now. What more can I learn? How did you fight that? How did you get through that to experience the richness? 
Yeah. yeah I, well, I don't know if I did. And the, here's the reality. If you're bored, don't do that passage. Do a different passage. Come back to it some other time. So uh, it's okay to do that. And just giving myself permission to do that is kind of how I dealt, dealt with that. Mm-hmm. But I was fascinated by Romans 8. Romans 8 really spoke to me. There's that whole section about the spirit and like there's all these things. It's just it, there's, it's a great, it's probably one of the best. If I could only have one chapter of the Bible, that's the one I would pick. <laughs> it's one you take with you on the oh, desert 100, island. hundred percent. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, so I don't know if I would get bored with it, but if you do, then move on, ask the Lord for something else. I've done that plenty where I said, God, I need a new passage and he'll bring one up so, mm-hmm. some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. And it, and then you commit to it and you just keep coming back to it over and over again. And maybe, or maybe it's one time, maybe come back to it one time. That's mm-hmm. okay too. I think that's what was really, so there's no rules. Me. In other words. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. There's no, <laughs> there isn't, there isn't a. A, a checklist to go through. It's um, much more a process that you go through with the Lord and you have to embrace that it's, it could be different and it could look different than you'd like, but you can customize it to yourself. That's a, you know, that's a challenge for those who, those of us who are performers, you know, performance Christianity yeah. because we like the checklist and we like to graduate to the next thing. So, cause you know good. that you're doing it right then, right? You, yes. You're, and I get that, but here's the deal. So this is where I told you, I studied like, how do we grow in Christ? Have you ever read the book, the critical journey? It's a no, fantastic uh-uh. book. Recommend it to everybody. It's, it's can be dicey as far as just being a little bit heady, but it's fantastic because she just, they describe the spiritual journey in these kind of different stages. Now I break those down into four stages uh, because it just makes more sense in my brain, but I, I call it four different journeys, the journey of meeting Jesus. That's the sort of evangelistic or like, this is how I found Jesus that we all kind of know the journey of um, learning the way of Jesus, I call it. And so that is basically what you and I know as that sort of checklist Christianity where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, go to the Bible studies, I do the men's groups. I do the, you know, go to church on Sunday, do all those things. And those things will take you only so far. That's the problem. I think most of the American evangelical churches do those things very, very well. But then when people start to grow past it, they don't understand. And they, they either get thrown out of those churches or spit out uh, of the little flywheel that makes things go. Uh, and, or they just don't fit anymore. And so they have to find something else. And that's usually where the dark down the soul comes in. And then the next phase is uh, finding yourself in Jesus, finding yourself Mm. in Christ. And that Mm. season is what I was in when I was going through the dark night, both times, I guess. Um, That was really, God was taking out some identities. I thought one of my identities had to be that I was a pastor. And he was saying, no, I love you, even if you're not a pastor, right? It took me a long time to try to figure that out or to get it or accept it for myself. But passages like Romans 8 and practices like Lectio Divina help me to do that. Um, and then there's a there's a phase of the journey that I call learning to love like Jesus, which is really that. I mean, if you know these people, my very first interview was with a woman named Carolyn Schmidt at my uh, former church. She is Jesus. She disciples mm-hmm. people. She disciples young people. She always has a book for me. 
I can't read as much as she gives me <laughs> stuff, but she always has something like here. I've got a copy of that for you. Okay. Thanks, Carolyn. Uh, but she, she will always have a conversation about Jesus with you. And, uh, man, I aspire to be that way when I'm in my, well, hopefully seventies, eighties. Well, you know, the, what you're talking about there is the, we can stop at that third phase of finding yourself in Christ and, and stopping there. We, I think there's a danger of growing inward. So when you're talking about loving like Jesus, it's taking this and you are now, I don't know if I'm expressing the truth or not this way I see it. You're loving like Jesus, but differently than you were in that first stage, second stage where you're doing yep. those things. You're, you're loving like Jesus kind of because it's the right thing to do. Right. But when you go through the transformation, uh, that fourth phase you're talking about, you're, you're doing it for different reasons and different motivations. Is that, am I, am I, I, am I simplifying that too much? No, I think so. I think that's true, but I think it's because of your identity. I think it's because you know who you are in Christ. Yeah. There's something there that when you, and this is, Jesus fascinates me in this regard all the time when he goes to Pilate and Pilate's like, are you a King? Now Jesus can go, yeah, I'm a King, you know, and he could do whatever he wanted. Right. And, and he could have gotten Pilate's face. He didn't. He said, it's true. Right. And he simply, it is as you say. And he stayed within himself because he knew where he had to go and he was not willing to let Pilate's mockery or the, you know, the soldier's mockery get him off course because he knew who he was, right? He knew what he was going to do, even though he was going to suffer. That is the epitome of knowing yourself and knowing God's call in your life. Mm. When you know that, you can do, you're very, very powerful, right? And you're not going to get sidetracked by all these other things that we do. You know, Christian celebrity is a big deal right now. And people are talking about that. I think people get sidetracked because their identity has become their job instead of who they are in Christ. And that is deadly. Just deadly. Yep. yep. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's, that's where I was for many years for decades, mm. you know, and I, I sensed what I, where I was at is I judged my uh, relationship with Christ based on my service for him. If I was serving yeah. him well, I had a good relationship with him and that's boy, right. that, that crumbled. Uh, a couple uh, books that, have really touched me and authors, uh, Sky Jathani has a book yes. called With. Yes. And that's what total, that's what was a turning point for me. And then most recently, AJ Sherrill's, um, Being with God, mm-hmm. uh, which talks about some of the things you're, you were saying in those four, four phases and, yeah. um, and that. But, and you mentioned, um, the critical journey. So now we've given our listeners three resources to, <laughs> to explore. What are a couple others that really, you turn great books that people mm-hmm. can go to and resources. Man. Okay. So with is the book that I, from Sky Jatani is the book that I think every Christian should read. If I could give that a copy of that book to every American Christian, many of them would be confused by it, but it would be so powerful for them. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you on that. I love it. If you, if you guys have not read that book, read that book first. That would be my first one. The other one that I really loved for a lot of people who like Dallas Willard, come to him from a divine conspiracy that was much more popular, but he wrote a book uh, called hearing God. Um, And I don't think, I think it was before that was really powerful for me as well, where he talks about this whole idea of walking with the Lord and having this conversational um, relationship with him. Okay, hold on. I'm going to grab something. 
For those of you who are listening, he's uh I'm grabbing something, leaning back. He's grabbing something and he's got off, it <laughs> off my wall in in my never nicotine stained fingers. Um this is a quote from Dallas Willard. This is from a little calendar or something I got from IVP. Uh, but this quote is from that book. He says, spiritual people are not those who engage in certain spiritual practices. They are those who draw their life from a conversational relationship with God. And that's what he's trying to teach you in the book, Hearing God. hundred, Like so powerful. When I realized that that was possible, you know, I grew up in a community that we would, we would say we believed in the Holy Spirit. And I, and I know that all of those people believed in the Holy Spirit we never saw any evidence of him, right? We never had any kind of, you know, but what, I don't know, what's the Holy Spirit doing? It was, and it was much more God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy book than it was the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Um, so, that's just powerfully to- in me. So I tell, I tell everybody like, go get that. And I, I emphasize that too. So, um, so hearing God and uh, with by Sky Zatani, I've got it back on my shelf. I kept, I gave so many of those away. I finally got yeah. the uh, Kindle version so I could always have one for myself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and that was given to me by a friend in Christian radio who said, John, I got a couple of books here that you, that really yeah. mean a lot to me. He gave them to me. And I was like, that one did yeah. it. And, and the critical journey is probably the next one. Cause I think we don't know most, most people are stuck in this place in like you called it performative Christianity. I think it's totally right. And that's where people need, they need to just get that little nudge into, you may have to go into the spiritual desert, but it's okay. Jesus is there too. And, and take away a few things and find really who he wants you to be. Well, anything you'd like uh, else to share with our listeners here on this, on this topic, something that you'd like to, to leave with them in their, their journey with Christ. Yeah. I mean, I would say that it's okay to be wherever you are. So I described those kind of parts of the journey very briefly, but wherever you find yourself, it's okay. That's where you are and you can't change that. So no, no need to feel any, you know, anything odd about that. But um, if you want to grow, you got to kind of embrace whatever that is next for, for the Lord. And so I would say, do that. Like your divine is a great practice. These books are, are a great place to start as well. And, um, and you know what? The other thing to do, it's a little dangerous. It's a little risky, but if you ask the Lord to take you on that journey, he will. Hmm. Hmm. Now uh, that Latin phrase, I'm going to write it down just so I get it yeah. right in the practice you're talking about. So, yeah. Slowly. Say Lectio, that again. It's L-E-C-T-I-O Divina. Divina. So okay. D, I think it's D-E-V or D-A-V-I-N-A. Okay. Great. Everybody pronounces it different because it's Latin. So that's just what. I- yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. And I like what you said about pick a, a passage that you can go deep with because it, anchoring ourselves in the word is so important. Um, and I can see that in your life for this, uh, you know, Romans eight has just, it, it seeped into your whole being and you're, it's, it's part of you. It's part of your life. So, yeah, thanks. I, it's, it's a different way to learn, but, and it's slower. And that's why it doesn't really resonate with American Christians because mm. we're, we're Americans and we want to do everything fast and efficient, but discipleship is not efficient. It's like slow cooked oatmeal folks. You can't get the instant brand. It doesn't taste as good. That's, that's <laughs> why my favorite way of cooking is smoking on the grill, right? Low and slow. Okay, good. 
Well, Eric Nevitz, thank you for joining us. And uh, boy, you got a wealth of interviews on your podcast. I encourage our listeners to go to Halfway There and Intriguing. You're going to meet people who are a little bit like you. And and Eric talks with them about their real journey and their relationship with Christ. So um, thanks again, Eric. God bless you. Thanks, John. It's been fun. Lectio Divina. <laughs> are you ready to experience that? Uh, what I loved about my conversation with Eric is what he shared will, will help us to know Christ. His own experience plus his book recommendations and, of course, Lectio Divina. These are all part of the process. So, guys, it takes time. It takes effort. I, I was thinking this morning in my quiet time that I put effort into my relationship with Jesus not to earn his favor and love, but because I love him. That's a big difference. Again, Eric's podcast is called Halfway There. In fact, he's interviewing me this week for an episode that will come out after the first of the year. And guess what I'll be talking about? Yes, performance Christianity. This whole thing of knowing Christ isn't something we can do on our own. We'll fall back into our performance mentality. It just happens. Fresh Faith 24-7 is designed for you. One of the benefits is a a four-module video series called the Freedom Path Training. And this is an in-depth training that will help you come to terms with your problem of performance and work through it biblically to the point of freedom. Listening to a podcast isn't going to cut it if you really want to experience freedom. This is a start, and that's what this podcast is dedicated to, but it's not the full answer. And I'll walk you through the process of moving from bondage to freedom in this video series. So you can view it on demand at your own pace. Find out more at FreshFaith247.com. And I hope you'll join us and become a member of Fresh Faith 24-7. Hey, next episode, we're going to be talking about three degrees of knowing. Three degrees of knowing. We're going to go deeper into this concept of knowing Christ. So I'll talk to you then.